Good morning, Mount Zion Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Thank you for being here. Anyway, um, first of all, let's uh, let's go ahead, and, go ahead and open up in prayer. Lord, as we uh, gather here together in your house, Lord, and underneath your authority, your dominion, and of course your love, um, we just pray, Lord God, that we have a fantastic church service today, that your blessing goes all over it. You put the words into Brother Dennis's mouth as he brings forth the sermon. And Lord, uh, again, as we come in here, we come here to meet and love each other. But really, we're here to mainly just love you, Lord, and to come to you, Lord God, and seek your wisdom, seek your love, and just uh, seek fellowship with you, Jesus. We thank you that we're able to meet like this. Thank you for this uh, congregation that is so friendly and loving. And uh, Lord, again, just uh, speak to us as we're here in the service today. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. Well, uh, the critics have spoken. We're going to change up the way we do our service a little bit to make it a little more friendly to the uh, YouTubers and everybody else that watches us. So anyway, so the way we're going to start doing service now is we're going to do announcements on the front end. In other words, that way I don't got to keep coming back and forth. And so in other words, I'm going to do announcements now, and then we'll go right into worship after that. And then we'll do offering. So meet and greet, though. I know everybody loves meet and greet, but we're going to do meet and greet before service and after service now. Okay? So anyway, so that's what we'll be doing as far as that goes. So anyway, so I am going to jump right into announcements now, and then we'll jump into worship. Um, again, so January, Wednesday nights. Um, again, really good Bible study. Great attendance on it. And Dennis Peters has been uh, heading that up. And uh, that is the real Christianity from John's letters. Very vibrant, and it's been very good. And a lot of sharing, a lot of talking, and a lot of learning. I know for myself, it's been uh, very beneficial to be there. Also, 9 a.m. on Sundays, we have Jerry Windsor doing In the Footsteps of the Savior by Max Licato, and uh, we do that at 9 a.m., and again, coffee's there, and again, a lot of sharing, a lot of fellowship, and a lot of exchange of uh, basically what everybody's thinking and how Christ is talking to them. Today, uh, again, we thank Brother Dennis and Brother John last week, fantastic sermon. Uh, we appreciate uh, what you've been doing during this interim period in between our senior pastors. And uh, it's not just uh, individuals coming up and giving a message, but they've really been delivering some really great stuff from God. And today will be uh, Dennis Peters preaching. Uh, next week is Sandwich Sunday. So anyway, yeah, everybody's excited about that. So we can fellowship down there. Anyway, bring your, uh, again, Valentine's Month. So bring food you love. Anyway, pretty wide open as far as that goes. So that'll be next Sunday after church service. All right. Um, a brief, so today after service, again, for you that are church members, and even if you're not church members and you're interested, we invite you to stay after service. We're going to have a brief annual business meeting. And actually, if you are a church member, we really need you to be here um, for that vote. And really what that meeting is just going to be about is to postpone our regular meeting, which would normally occur today. But in lieu of what's going on, us being in a pastor transition, some other items, um, we consulted with the district, and we felt that it was best that we push that meeting off to April 28th. But we need a formal vote in order to push that off as far as that goes. Um, now this is the hook, so we're going to hook you in here, okay? So to keep you here for after the meeting. So uh, your church board's been working hard, and part of our work has been we have done a pastor search to a certain degree, so we've been searching. And we have interviewed uh, one particular candidate a few times. So uh, we do have news after this service, but we are going to set up a date, and we do have a date set up 
for uh, March 24th, I believe is that date, and 17th. And anyway, at that particular point, we will be bringing in a candidate to senior pastor at this church. And we'll give you a little more formality as to what that looks like. And then here's the hook. We'll also name that candidate for you in the business meeting after church today. Okay? And again, you do not have to be a member in order to attend the meeting afterwards. You just won't be able to vote on any matters that we have. Um, speaking of that, if you would like to be a member, and again, we love people attending here. You do not have to be a member. Anybody can attend this church. We welcome all, right? Yeah, we want you all here, right? But as a form of government, in other words, we are a church, and we do vote on business matters, such as property matters, electing a pastor, and things like that. So therefore, we have to for have a formal membership in order to do those votes. Kind of makes sense to everybody? So anyway, so um, if you would like to be a member, and you are a regular attendee of this church, uh, we would welcome you to be a member. Seek one of us board members, and we'll give you an application for that. And uh, we'd love for you to apply to be a member of this church. And that way you can participate in what the voting goes on as far as the church matters go. But again, if you just like attending this church and you don't want to be a member, totally understood. Love having you here as far as that goes. Kind of makes sense to everybody. Um, that being said, we do have two uh, new, brand new members of the Mount Zion Church family. And they are Jeff and Hilda Lemon. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll have a uh, formal uh, certificate for you here in a session or two. Now, unfortunately, you won't be able to vote today. It takes 30 members before you can vote, 30 days for you to vote. But when we do a pastor installation and a vote on a pastor down the road in our future business meeting, then you'll have a voting membership there. But thank you. And uh, it's great having you as part of the membership here at Mount Zion Church. Um, <clears throat> Uh, just know that your church board is really working hard, and part of working hard on that is in anticipation of a pastor candidate coming. Um, I do want to really thank Lionel, Nathan, and the Whitmores for a lot of the work that they've done on the parsonage. There was Pastor Eric, Pastor Debbie, lived there for 12 years, and they've really been working super hard to get the uh, basically the pastor's house up there, the parsonage ready to roll for whoever inhabits that the next time. So really appreciate everybody's effort on that. Um, children's churches we talked about is on hold. Um, and also today we will have prayer down here during worship. So, you know, again, I just think it is important. I know I come down, but not that everybody has to come down, but um, it is nice. There's a lot to pray for. Um, if you're in my shoes, um, there's just a lot to pray for. There's a lot of people, a lot of friends I have, a lot of uh, church members that just seems to be a lot of illness and a lot of really severe illnesses going around right now. And, uh, you know, the Bible does charge us and the word does charge us to get together where two or more are gathered. You know, our prayers get heard. We can move mountains, right, with Jesus, right? That's what our faith is based on. And I think it's just a good thing when we come in agreement under prayer here as far as it goes. So you'll have that opportunity to pray with individuals of the board um, during worship. Um, and that's it for me. And anyway, at this particular point, I'm going to bring up uh, Sarah here. Sarah, and she can come up and she can start the worship as far as it goes. Yep. All right. Thank you, everybody. Miss Jerry, are you going to join us? As we enter into worship this morning... He's already here in our midst. God is already already here because when we come together and like he said, with two or three gathered together, I'm in the midst. 
So however you feel comfortable, whether to stand, whether to sit, whether to kneel, whether to come up and worship, just enter freely into worship.
hardships come and things come and it's like oh my oh my what do I do if we will turn our eyes turn our eyes to our source turn our eyes to Jesus turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. He will help you put things in perspective, but we have to turn it over to him and say, God, I need you. Strangely 
this final one. Waymaker, he's our waymaker. He's got it under control. He knows right where we are. You are
worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You may be seated. We're going to get ready for for the tithes and offerings right now. We're going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for this day, Lord, and for watching over each one of us, Lord, and brought us here safely and taking us home, Lord. Lord, just watch over the everything in this church, the finances and everything, and help us do everything right the way you want it done, Lord Jesus. And it, we want to th give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, it's been interesting. You know, this church has been real blessed. Um, you know, God knows what's going on, and God knows what's happening as we're taking our tithes and authorities. And um, what I really want to say is that, um, you know, we didn't know a transition was going to happen with our pastorate, but God knew a pastor transition was going to happen. And as part of that, uh, doing that, he kind of set us up for that because he cares about this church. And part of setting us up for that was bringing in some uh, individuals into this church that are really able to help us get through this transaction and get through it well. And, uh, and that would be Brother John, Brother Dennis, Sister Sarah, and many others have really, God's really just planted in this church and has allowed us basically to take the next step forward. And as part of that today, we would like to uh, bring up Brother Dennis Peters to come up here to uh, deliver the word today. And uh, why don't you give him a nice hand as he comes on up here. Uh, good morning, everybody. I was reminded as you guys were applauding that, uh, I don't remember the exact phrase, but it uh, basically said that uh, applause before you speak means far less than applause after you speak. Uh, so <laughs> I'm not asking for applause, I promise. I just thought that was funny. Um, it's good to see everybody this morning. I know some of you only showed up because you wanted to be here for the meeting after I speak, but uh, I'm glad you made it early. So thank you for being here this morning. Um, I, uh, I have had a great week. I hope you have had a good week. My, I, I, I don't want to embarrass my son, but uh, I, uh, I have been blessed this week to have my youngest son with me. Josh, would you stand up over here so you guys can all see my good-looking boy here? <laughs> he's, uh, he's short like me. And uh, so I'm, it's been, I've, I've just been enjoying my week. I've been had a great week. And uh, so uh, I'm, I appreciate him being there with me. If, if my whole family were here, all, all five of my kids, uh, you would, uh, some of you would, might be a little intimidated. My oldest son is six foot seven. Joshua is six foot four. I'm six foot three. My youngest daughter is six foot two. My oldest daughter is six foot. 
And my shortest daughter, my middle daughter, is five foot ten. She's the short person in the family. Um, but uh, I, uh, like any parent, I love my kids. I'm proud of my kids, and uh, I, uh, I, uh, I hope someday you'll get to meet them all. But uh, it's uh, it's it's a joy to be here this morning. And uh, uh, everybody, take your bulletin out, if you will, and. Um, if you have your bulletin, and I want to—I I, was—I I stumbled on something last night, and I decided to provide some suggestions for the church bulletin. Okay, just some things that you might want to insert into the next week's church bulletin. Um, believe it or not, the following announcements actually appeared in various church bulletins, and I thought I would read that for you this morning. So, um, Lionel, pay attention. Uh, Number one, don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. Number two, Thursday night, potluck supper. Prayer and medication to follow. <laughs> Number three, remember in prayer the many who are sick of our church and community. Not sick in our church. Some of you didn't catch that. Okay, sick, sick of our church and community. Number four, for those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. <laughs> Number five, Tuesday at 4 p.m. there will be an ice cream social. All ladies giving milk will please come early. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't write these guys. Okay. Uh, number six, this being Easter Sunday, we will ask Mrs. Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. <laughs> uh, the ladies of the church have cast off clothing of every kind. They can be seen in the church basement on Saturday. <laughs> uh, that one wasn't good. Okay, sorry. Um, I deleted a bunch of these, but I should have left that one out. Sorry. At the evening service, the sermon topic will be, What is Hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. <laughs> Those were real um, church bulletins, that, uh, so some suggestions. It's not Lionel, so that must mean it's Brenda. <laughs> there you go. I'll, I'll send that to you if you'd like to, to insert in the bulletin. So. Have you ever known a prosperous person, somebody in your mind? And I'd just ask you that question to think about this. In your mind, who is a prosperous person? I knew a man, he was uh, a businessman in Oakland when I was a young missionary. And uh, his name was Jerry, I won't give his last name for the, since this is going out on the airwaves. But uh, he, was, uh, he was a very successful businessman and a part of a good church in Oakland. And for some reason, he took a liking to me. He and his wife both just befriended me. And before long, they were sending money my way. But more than that, they were sending prayer my way. But I watched his life as he prospered in just about everything that he did. His marriage, his kids, his business, his faith, his outreach, everything he did seemed to prosper. Who is the most prosperous person that you have met? And how do you view prosperity? 
This is something that in the American church, I think sometimes we get a little bit skewed. and We think of prosperity only in financial terms. But prosperity is far more than that. The most prosperous man I have ever met was a man named Donnell McLean. He's long since passed away, but he was my mentor on the Japan field. Just about everyone he touched was glad that he touched them. He loved everyone. And there were some very unlovely people that we dealt with. I watched him as a young man. I was a young man. He was an old man. But I watched him love people that I was repelled by. We had a, we had a couple of guys that used to come to church, and they smelled really bad. And I didn't want to get anywhere near them. I didn't want to shake their hands because it was, it, they smelled bad. And, and he would just come up to them and love them. And as a result, they gave their lives to Christ. Little by little, their living habits tended to change. They never became what you and I might love to hang around with, but they changed. Because he prospered in his relationships not just financially. I watched him financially, though. Um, missionaries aren't known for being rich. I don't know personally any rich missionaries. Um, I know a few rich preachers, but I don't know any rich missionaries. Um, but he had a lot of money coming through. I'm not kidding. That guy, my mentor, got checks in the mail every single week. He would get cash handed to him, left and right, left and right. This guy was a money generator. And I'll never forget one time, uh, my wife and I were new missionaries, young missionaries. We made no money. We didn't make as much money each month as we spent. So every month, the Lord found ways to bring extra income, and we, we broke even every single month. But every single month, we were on our knees praying for God to provide. I'll never forget one one time there was a, a man who was a chef at a fancy restaurant in Okinawa. And he had come up and he was staying with Donnell McLean. And we, we always hung out together and everything. And so, so we got together with him and he was, oh, he was an incredible cook. And this guy could make anything taste good. And so he offered to come to our house, which was where our church was, to come to our house and to make a dinner where we could invite friends over who weren't Christians and then we could just share the love of Christ with them through food. And he was going to make this delicious dinner, and he did, and it was delicious. But he said that it was his treat. He was wealthy. He was a chef at a fancy restaurant making good money. But being in Japan as long as I had, I felt an obligation to at least offer to help pay for the food. It was early in the month, and we had $50 left in our we didn't have any money in the bank, and we had $50 left in an envelope to pay for our food for the rest of the month. I offered him those, that $50 out of obligation, knowing that he would refuse because he had said he was going to pay for everything. He took it. When I told my wife she was a little bit incensed at my stupidity, Rightfully so. <laughs> I had given away the last of our food budget. And 
he said, and he went shopping and he came back to me and he said it cost a little more than that. And I had to tell him, I said, I'm sorry, I don't have any more. And so he gracefully just said, I'll, I'll cover it, which he should have said for the $50, you know, but he didn't. And it was a lesson that I was learning. The first person that walked in the door that night had come from Donnell McLean's house. And she was a helper helping him in the ministry there. And she handed me an envelope and she said, Donnell said to give this to you. In this envelope was $200. And I was ashamed for my lack of faith. I should have known that the Lord would take care of us. He had done it every month up until that point. Why would I doubt his ability to do that? But the key of this story was that Donnell, what happens is people will hand him money. And I've seen this happen. I've literally seen it where he looks in the envelope and there's, I saw one time there was $500 in the envelope. He took out $200 and handed the envelope as is to somebody that was in need. He didn't even pay attention. He needed $200. He took his $200 and handed the rest away. He was the most prosperous person I have ever met in my life. When he retired from missions, he had a little home that he almost gave away to another pastor who had been living in his home, paying rent while he was in Japan. And he moved in with his kids. And he was blessed in every way. Who's the most prosperous person you know? My mentor was prosperous in just about every way I can think that you can be prosperous. In 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. I'm not necessarily going to break this scripture down and teach from this scripture this morning, but I do want to just encourage you to understand that God's desire to prosper you is, is clear in scripture. God wants to bless you in so many ways. But be careful, because he is most, most importantly interested in your soul prospering. So please don't focus so much on the material things when you think about prospering. It's not that God won't bless you materially. I personally believe that if God blesses you, it's not for the sake of blessing you. It is so that you can turn around and use that blessing to bless others. God, God most of the time blesses people by using other people. So he can use you to increase someone else's faith, even if you don't have much. My missionary mentor didn't have much. He retired and passed away without giving a lot to his children, but he gave so much to all of his spiritual children like me. He, when I got married, he gave me a bed, right? I had been sleeping on the floor for years in Japan. And he had a, a spare bed. He said, hey, you and your new bride, you need a bed. You don't want to make her sleep on the floor. My, my wife and I had a disagreement. Um, she would make the bed unless it was on the floor, and then I made the bed. 
Because in Japan, when you sleep on the floor, you have these stone, you call them futons, but they're small. They're not like American futons. They're, they're only about that thick. And so you roll them up in thirds and you put them into the closet every morning. So that was my job. But, but I didn't want to do that, so we got a bed. So she had to make the bed. So that was wonderful. Anyhow, that was his, you know, he was always giving stuff away. And uh, I, in, the, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, the first section of this chapter lists a number of characteristics of those who follow Christ. And Jesus calls the man who has these characteristics blessed. Now, we call those, these, what do we call them in English? Um, the Beatitudes, right? Um, so look at Matthew chapter 5 later on and you can read the Beatitudes. These are all, if you are this way, if you're meek, you're blessed. If, you know, and, and, and my mind won't remember all of them, so I'll stop there. But so I have come to love every one of you guys. I enjoy seeing you in church. I, I, I see some blank spots in, in the middle section here. For some reason, everybody's allergic to the middle section except three people this morning. Uh, but uh, everybody's off on the sides. It's, it's nice that you guys have taken both sides of the church because that way if there's a flood, we'll be able to float. But um, I miss the people that don't come. And I miss it when I'm not here. And so I've come to love each of you, even the ornery ones. <laughs> I actually like the ornery ones better. So those of you who aren't ornery, just understand you're second-class citizens in my eyes. But uh, uh, no, no I, I've learned to love each of you. And I, when I was preparing the message, you know, I was thinking, it is truly my desire for you as we start the year 2024 and for the church itself that you would be prosperous, that you would be blessed. My prayer for you is the same as John's prayer, that you may prosper. So today I want us to take a look at an Old Testament passage of Scripture that describes a prosperous person. And some of you who have been around the church very long, you're going to know this immediately when I tell you that it's Psalms chapter 1. Okay? So we're going to take a look at this, and uh, the first thing, there's three things. There's the prosperous person's path, the prosperous person's proof, and the prosperous person's peace. And then there's a fourth point that I don't have a title for. But you should be very proud of me. I rarely make my points match. So I'm not very good at coming up with these fancy definitions of each point. So be proud of me. Prosperous person's path, prosperous person's proof, and prosperous person's peace. And if you can say that really fast, I'll give you a dollar when I see you later. So the prosperous person's path. Verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Okay, verse 1. I'll read it again. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So, the question here is, how do I become a prosperous person? And the first verse tells you the things to not do if you want to be a prosperous person. If you want to prosper, you know, there are, you could go online and you can find all these different teachings about how to prosper, how to grow a business, how, and I can almost promise you that every one of those, unless they only want to be positive, will tell you things to avoid, things you don't want to do. 
You know what? If you want to grow a business, don't get up at 10 o'clock every morning, right? You're probably going to have a problem because you're going to miss half of the business day unless you're doing something that, you know, you have to do at night. Don't, don't be lazy if you want to grow a business. There's all these things that you have to avoid in order to, to grow a business. And then there are things that you do. Well, the Bible starts off in verse 1 with the things to avoid. Do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Be careful of who's guiding your steps through life. This is important. Be careful whose advice you're listening to. You're going to get a lot of advice in life. Some of it you're going to sit there politely and listen to and say thank you and walk away and forget it immediately. It's worthless. This is the kind of advice it's telling you not to listen to. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Those who don't, you know, I, I, used, to, I, I used to listen to a particular news program. And it matched my politics, and so I liked what he had to say. But every once in a while, he would say things that were immoral, that went against Scripture. His, his advice or his, um, what he believed was just flat-out different than what the Bible taught. And I had to remind my friends who might be sitting there watching the program with me, just because he shares your politics doesn't mean he can give you good advice about life. It's not the person that you want to be guiding your life to. His advice is not godly advice. Don't listen to the advice of the ungodly. Don't walk in the path of the ungodly. Be careful about who you're listening to. I mean, yeah, you listen politely. You may have family members. You listen politely to and say, oh, I love you so much. And then you go away and just say, yeah, yeah, okay, that's fine, you know, whatever. And then you ignore whatever advice they give you. Or you might be the kind that says, no, that advice stinks, I ain't going to listen to it. However you choose to respond, don't let him guide your path. Secondly, do not stand in the path of sinners, right? So do not stand in the way of sinners, the path of sinners. The, the way that they go, don't you go there. The Bible teaches us that if you hang around with bad people, don't be surprised when you start acting like them. Now, I'm not saying that you, you know, the, the Bible in another, uh, in another passage where Paul is, is dealing with the Corinthian church, he says to them, I'm not saying that you can't have relationship with unbelievers, otherwise you'd have to leave the world. You couldn't even exist in the world. Of course you're going you're gonna to rub shoulders with people that don't share your faith. You, you can't just become a monk all of us can't be monks living up in the mountains, although sometimes I'd like to do that. Uh, we rub shoulders with people that we don't share their faith and they don't share ours. And we don't want, you know, we don't agree with them. But don't allow them to be the kind of people that influence you. Don't let them into your heart and soul to where that they are guiding your path. Don't, uh, don't stand in the path of sinners. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, and you might have thought that this was just a popular saying. This actually does come from Scripture. It says, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. That's biblical, folks. Your mama might have used to told you that, but she told you that because that's what the Bible says. Bad company corrupts good morals. So be careful who you're letting into your inner circle. Right? 
if they're not in your inner circle, you're probably not going to start acting like them. But if they're really important to you, and they have bad morals, guess what? It's going to start impacting your morals. Now, hopefully, it goes the other way around. And some people in your inner circle, you may not be able to help if they're your brother or your sister or your child or your parent. Or, you know, the, not everybody shares your faith, and so there's some of that. But don't allow them into a place in your heart where they're going to guide your decisions morally. And, and then the third part of this section is do not sit in the seat of the scornful. Back to verse 1. Um, do not sit in the seat of the scornful. The prosperous person has no time to give to those who mock God. You may debate with them. You may talk with them. You may sit down and have a drink with them. But you are not going to let them into your heart. You know what? Mocking is, is the f direct fruit of pride. You are so right that if someone disagrees with you, they're stupid. They're not just wrong. They're stupid. They're so wrong that they're stupid wrong. Right? And, and we are not encouraged to be like that. Even with people that we disagree with. Even with people, with people who we know are wrong. We are not encouraged to mock them. We are encouraged to respect them and to show them respect, even if we don't like what they believe. So if you are hanging out with mockers, guess what you become? If your best buddy mocks people all the time and you sit there and take it and you don't say anything to him, before long you start to thinking that that mocking thing is not necessarily bad. I mean, he's a good guy. He just, you know, he's, he just... He just got this one area that he just... And then, next thing you know, you're laughing at it. And then after that, you might say it once or twice. Before long, you're a mocker. Don't go there. So, do not sit in the seat of the scornful. Go on to verse 2. So, in order to prosper, you do do these things. You don't... You don't you don't walk with those. You don't let those who have, have evil intent or who don't share your faith to influence you. Right? Don't do that. But you do do these things if you want to truly prosper. Verse 2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now, not last week, but two weeks ago when I spoke, we talked about from, from, uh, uh, from Proverbs chapter 3. One of the main points of that whole passage was to, to involve yourself with the word of God. Know the Word. Love the Word. Read the Word. We talk in uh, one of the things, this hasn't been a main, well, it was a main point, in the, I believe, in the first week on our Wednesday night Bible study. And by the way, we have a great time there. And if you're wondering what our Bible study is like, you get to talk. Okay? Now, you don't get to talk nonstop, so, you know, if I have to, I will shut you down. But, but you know, and I'll be nice about it. I don't, you know, I try not to slam anybody, but... Uh, um, I'll talk about you afterward if you talk all the time, but I, I won't talk you know, in, to your face. But anyhow, you get to talk. You get to, you, you get to ask questions, and you get to provide answers. Okay? One of the things that we talked about was that the written word is the Bible. Jesus is referred to in the Bible as the living word. Okay? 
So when we talk about here, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night, we're talking about a couple of different things here. We're talking about the written word and the living word. We're talking about you getting to know what the Bible says. If you say you believe the Bible, and by the way, most Americans, uh, I, I, I read a statistic just this week, and I, I, should, have, I should have written it down. I don't, of course, you know, it's a little bit old. Uh, maybe 10 years old, and some things have changed in America in the last 10 years, you might have noticed. Uh, but there was, it's amazing how many people actually believe the Bible to be the written word of God. Welcome, brother. Good to see you. And, and so, you know, we're, we, we want to focus on the written word of God. Another way to get to know the law of God is to know Jesus. Have a relationship with Jesus. Guess who wrote the law? Don't tell me Moses. Yeah, he, his, his hand was on the pen. But the law was something that God gave to the children of Israel to guide them and to, and to be honest, to make them recognize that they're a bunch of heathen, a bunch of sinners. And if you don't think you are, you, you need to go back and read the Old Testament. Believe me, finish that one and you'll know you're a sinner because you can't do all those things. And they had to come to realize that they needed a Savior. You do too. I do too. We all need a Savior because we all have bad within us. You know, if we were all basically good, the world would be perfect by now. This world has been, we people have been populated in this world. We have, you know, record going back 6,000 years. And yet we have wars and rumors of wars and, and angst and awful things. Uh, things happening that we can't even talk about in church around the world. I'm telling you, we all have evil within us and we all have to acknowledge that and come to the Lord. But the way that we learn how to prosper is by digging into the Word of God. So the first part, he delights in the law of God. You'll give your time to the things that you enjoy. I love football. And there are two games happening today, and I will be done before the first one starts. <laughs> I make no promises about Bob. But I will be done before the first one starts. I don't like commercials, so I record the game, and I usually start, because Sundays are a hard day for me anyhow, so I record every football game that there is to record. I, I don't have any special programs, but everything's on normal TV, I record. And then Sunday night, I sit down and I watch football, if it's a game that I want to see. And I skip through the boring parts. Or I don't watch the offense of the team I don't care about. So I'll skip through their offense and get back to my offense. And, I, and so I, I don't spend three hours watching a football game. I can usually finish a football game in an hour if I'm watching a lot of it. And so, uh, you know, we like things and we make place for them in our lives. And what this is saying, he delights, the prosperous person delights in the law of God. I don't know about you, but I... I don't like regulations. You know, one of the things I hate about California is all the regulations. We had work done on our house. And you know th something I learned in California? The inspectors are gods. Whatever they want you to do, it doesn't matter if it makes sense. It doesn't even matter if it's legal. If they tell you that that power junction has to be two inches higher than it is, you've got to make it two inches higher. And if you don't, you will have trouble. Regulations in California are, are 
you know, they're awful. You know, we, got, we got more regulations in California than a lot of nations have. And so, you know, I don't like all the laws. You know, some of them are so stupid. Did you know that in Cal at least in most counties in California, I think it's a statewide thing because I've never seen it anywhere, and I've looked all over California. I've traveled all across the, 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 the state. You cannot buy wiper fluid that goes down below um, zero degrees. In fact, it's higher than that. In California, you cannot buy washer wiper fluid that will keep your washer going when you go up into the mountains. That's a rule they have created. I hate rules. So I buy my washer fluid in Nevada, and I bring it back. And I got my oil changed the other day, and I watched him putting washer fluid. I was like, oh, no, stop. You're putting in this cruddy stuff. And so now I can't take my car over the mountain because it'll freeze when I get up to the high elevations, which is not a problem because I don't take my car over the mountain when it's snowing anyhow, so, or when it's in the wintertime. But, but if our heart, when we think about laws, we don't like them. They're restrictions and, and everything. But, but the law of God is there. We talked about this last, last time, two weeks ago. The law of God is not there just so God can frustrate you. It's there for your benefit. I'm sure that whoever it was that made the law or the rule in California that you can't buy washer fluid that, that, you know, that I need, uh, they probably mean well by it. Personally, I think it's stupid, but they mean well by it. Well, God, he doesn't make stupid laws, but sometimes in our natural thinking, we think, what? Why can't I do that? Why can't I do this? But when you understand that your father only puts good restrictions on you, then you begin to say, I had a, a, a young lady that she was, uh, well, she was married at the time. She was in her young 20s. She, she'd gotten married. But she told about when she was a young girl, her dad was, was very strict, but she was his baby. And after a certain year, he stopped spanking her. And she came to her dad. She told, she, she told this story. She went to her dad, and she said, Daddy, don't you love me anymore? And her dad said, what do you mean? Of course I love you. She says, but you, you never spank me anymore. She knew that his discipline was his love. Even if she didn't like being disciplined, she, she recognized that the rules that he put around her were there for her sake, for her benefit. You, know, you may not agree with spanking, but change it to discipline or whatever you want. God puts rules around us to protect us and to guide us. And if we... If we love our Father, we will embrace his discipline, even though it's unpleasant. She didn't like getting spankings, but she loved to know that her Father loved her so much that when she broke the rules, he would discipline her for it. Because the Bible says if you uh, don't discipline your child, you hate them. Remember, I think I mentioned that uh, two weeks ago. So she knew that if he loved her, she, he would discipline her. And she also knew her own heart, that it wasn't pure. <laughs> and so she knew she needed discipline. So if we can be like that, we, we look at the law of God, we read it, and we say, and sometimes we say, well, I don't understand that. But we embrace it because it's God speaking to us saying, do this, don't do that. Follow me and you'll be prosperous. That's what it's saying here. You delight in the law of God. The prosperous person looks at the word of God and says, I like that. I don't always understand it. Some things I don't really 
you know, I wish it gave me more freedom or, you know, less restriction or whatever, but you recognize that it's good. The law of God is good. I can always tell when I start to struggle spiritually. Um, maybe you guys don't think pastors should struggle spiritually. I promise you, Pastor Eric struggled. Your new pastor will struggle. Will struggle. Even the most fantastic leaders in the church all struggle spiritually. Everyone does. You know how I can tell when I'm struggling spiritually? It's not so much when I bark out a mean something to a friend or, or you know, I'm short with somebody. I can tell when I'm struggling spiritually because those things might just be because I'm tired, right? If I didn't sleep last night, then I tend to get a little grumpy. Um, it's when I stop wanting to read the Word. And I've done that. Where I just, I look at my Bible, I look at the TV, and I choose the TV. I love football, so I choose football. When I don't love the Word, I don't want to read the Word. And then it begins to show in my life, in my attitudes. I can tell that my spirit is going dry because I, I have no hunger for the things of God. You know, I go to church out of habit. I, I give my, my tithe to the church, and, but it's just because that's what I do. I was raised that way. Uh, I'm not doing it out of joy. I'm not giving, I, I'll help somebody just because, you know, well, whatever. You know, I've got money on my pocket, so here, take this and go away. You know, it, it, it's, you can begin to see in your life, and it's because I can tell, and I, I can always come back to this, I can tell it's because I've lost I've kind of distanced myself from the love of the law of God. And that includes the, 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 the written word and the living word. You know, you, you can't love two people at the same time. You really can't. You say you do, but you don't. You'll prefer one over the other. You can't love Jesus and love the world at the same time. You can't be in love with money and be in love with God. You, you're going to prefer one over the other. Prefer Jesus, the living word. Prefer the written law of God that guides your steps. And on that law, it says he meditates day and night. Some of the greatest memories I have of my father. And he was my stepfather. My mom married him when I was 16. And I wasn't sure I liked him. Um, I called him dad from day one. I was 16, not 36. If I'd have been 36, I probably would have called him David. But I was 16. And my mama had raised me that you don't call adults by their first name unless you add a mister or a missus or a brother or a sister in front of it. And if that's only if they want you to call them by their first name, but you'll never call them by their first name alone. And so I knew I couldn't call him David. And I also knew that it was a little bit too close of a relationship for me to call him Pastor David or Pastor Ross. So I was stuck by calling him Dad. That was just, I had no feeling to it. I didn't know the man, but I grew to love the man. And I grew to respect the man. And when he died, I wept. I went back every year, two-day drive, to go visit them several times a year, just so I could see him, because I knew he was dying. And I wanted to spend a little bit of time with him. And so if he lived long enough, I'd go back to see him again, because I wanted to spend a little bit of time with him. And the, you know what, my, and, and when the kids got together at his funeral... Everyone said the same thing. You know what you can remember about my dad? You would walk into the house, 
And he would be sitting there at the kitchen table with his Bible open and colored pins in his hand. To this day, none of us know what the colors meant. I hate that because I got one of his Bibles. And it's got colored markings all through it. And I have no idea what the colored markings mean. <laughs> even, even my mom doesn't know what the colored markings mean. But he would sit there for hours just reading the word and making... It, listen, you don't have to be afraid to write in your Bible. If it'll help you to remember a scripture, make a note. Write on it. It's not a big deal. You can buy another Bible next year and start fresh. In fact, one of the most famous missionaries in Africa, he used to get a new Bible every year because his Bible was a mess by the time it, the year was up. And he started afresh. Every single year he got a new Bible and he marked it up all year long. Um, so write in your Bible if you're comfortable with that. You don't have to, but you're, you're welcome to. Nowadays we have electronic gadget, gadgets where you can make all your notes and, and whatever. So, delight in the law of the Lord, meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. Let it constantly run. You know, sometimes I'll hear something and it'll trigger something that I've read in the Bible just the night before. And a lot of times when I'm listening to Scripture, I'll make a note on my little electronic gadget. Secondly, now, the prosperous person's proof. So first was the prosperous person's path. What not to do, what to do. Okay? Secondly, the prosperous person's proof. Um, verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. This is a prosperous person's proof. How do you know you're prosperous? How can, how can you say, yeah, I'm prosperous? How can you look at somebody and say they are a prosperous person? Well, in the natural, we look at what car they drive, what kind of a house they live in, although, to be honest, my largest financial supporter as a missionary is a doctor, and you would not have a clue that he has money. And yet he gives his money away like you cannot imagine, right? He's a prosperous person, but you can't see it. But in the natural, we, that's what we look for is people, oh, the proof that they're a prosperous person is what they drive. Well, guess what I drive? I parked it out there this morning. It's a Ford F-150, and it's a King Ranch F-150. And if you don't know anything about King Ranch, you haven't watched Yellowstone. Um, the King Ranch is the best truck they make. It has all the doodads and the gadgets. And I've got, I don't just have seat heaters. I have seat coolers. Yeah. Uh-huh. Summertime, baby. That's what I'm talking about. It gets your butt nice and cool. It's wonderful. You know, it's amazing. You know, you think, well, I better stop that. Anyhow, if you look at me driving that truck around, you think, oh, Dennis is rich. See, when we look at people, we look on the outside. But what is a prosperous person? And how do you prove it? How do you know if someone's prosperous? And would God call you a prosperous person? Because this is from God's perspective, keep in mind. This is from the Bible. God is describing a prosperous person here. And he sees beyond what truck you drive, what house you live in. I've always kept in mind, by the way, when you see people in Mercedes, they don't own them. Ninety percent of the people driving these cars lease them. And they're not even paying for it, their company is. So don't assume anything when you see somebody in, in, a, in a rich car or even a nice home. So first of all, you are like a tree planted by the river. 
you bring forth fruit in its season. Okay? You're like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. The tree that's planted by the river never has to worry about getting enough, money, enough water to bear fruit. Do you know why there are Joshua trees in the desert? Right? In December, I drove down to Las Vegas, and I, I was telling you, I, I saw a bunch of Joshua trees out there. And I, I was so intent on getting where I was going, I, I was going to stop and take a picture of me in a, in a Joshua tree. You know what a Joshua tree is? Just a tall cactus. Right? You know why they're in the desert? Because there's no water in the desert. And Joshua trees don't need water to grow. And so, but... If you want to be a tree with leaves that are beautiful and, and, and fruit that, that grows when it's time for the fruit to grow, you have to be connected to the source of water. And that's what it's saying is that if you're connected to the source of water, you're going to have fruit in season. You're going to, you're, people who watch your life, they're going to be able to recognize that you're connected to the water. You're going to say, oh, look at those apples. They, I used to live in Japan across the street from one of the nicest apple orchards I, I'd ever seen. You know what they do in, with some of their apples? Not all of them, but only the ones that you're going to pay a bunch of money to buy. They wrap them in wax paper, and it's yellow wax paper. So it's obvious to everybody driving by. And in Japan, nobody steals apples, so you know, they can be right up next to the road, and, and, and you'll see this. And right across the street from my house, uh, there were these apples up in the mountains of, of Nagano, and they'll inject honey into the center of these apples. They are, oh, trust me, nothing you get in a grocery store in California comes close to these apples. You know what? They're full of taste. They're delicious. Because they've got a full flow of water going to the roots of those trees. And they dig down deep and they grab a hold of that water and it pulls it up into the tree and out into the branches and into the fruit that's growing there and it's delicious. But it's only as we walk with the Lord that we're, we're able to bear fruit. That's the story here. Just as a tree has to be plugged into the water source, we have to be plugged into the spiritual source. You can sit here and, oh, I'm going to be kind. Oh, I'm going to be gentle. Oh, I'm going to have faith. Like you're giving birth to a baby. You squeeze, push and push and push. You know all about that, Nalani, right? And, and, and guess what? Gentleness and kindness and patience, it won't come out just because you squeeze hard. You know how it comes out? You know what? Nalani didn't have to really do anything. That baby was coming, whether she liked it or not, because the seed had been placed in her, and it grows. And when God's seed is placed in you, it grows. And if you stay connected to the source, and you keep feeding that, you will bear fruit. That's why it says the tree that's planted by streams of water, that tree yields fruit in its season. It's planted there, and that water continues to flow, and it continues to feed the tree. You have been planted by your belief in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and received forgiveness for your sins. You got planted by the water of God's grace, and if you stay plugged into him, the fruit of gentleness and kindness and joy and love and faith, those things will naturally develop in your life. 
But if you get planted by the water and the water and the river runs dry, guess what's not going to happen? You might grow an apple, but uh, how many of you have ever had apple, apples from a uh, bad tree? I've bitten into apples, and they're just, there's no juice to them. And you go, ah, uh, and you don't eat those apples. You throw those away. No matter how they look on the outside, you show up at church looking pretty, but in your soul it's dry because you're not connected to the river of life. So you bring forth fruit in its season. Your leaf will not wither, it says. What does that mean? I love fall in the mountains. The different colors of trees. And, and I love spring. Everything's green and beautiful. This time of year, I only like this time of year when it's white. And it's not cooperating this year. I'm really frustrated. I was gone when it snowed the one time it snowed. And then it hadn't snowed since. I got to drive halfway up the mountain to run into the pretty stuff. But in the spring, the trees are full and green and everything is beautiful. When, you're, when you have leaf developing and your leaves developing in your life, you, you're beautiful to look at. What does that mean? That you put on makeup every Sunday morning and go to church? If you're planted close to the river, you are beautiful. You attract people to the river. You attract people to Jesus. There's something about your life. I, we, we had a, 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 a winter ski retreat for the, for the missionary kids in Japan one year, and I was the speaker. And, and we would worship the Lord together. And we were in a public um, lodge so it had about 15 rooms in this lodge, and then we shared part of it. And then there were other people who were there that, and I'll never forget, because we would worship the Lord and sing, and then I would share, and, and we would talk. And, and after one of our evening sessions, one of the guys that was there, he says to me, he says, there's something different about your singing. What is it? He says, your singing is different than the singing I'm used to hearing. We were doing it in English, and he was Japanese, so he didn't really understand what we were singing, but he could sense something different. People are going to look at your life. If you're plugged into the Word of God and your tree is planted by the river, people are going to look at your life and go, oh, that's pretty. That's beautiful. Whatever it is that's making you act this way, talk this way, live this way, I like it. It's the leaves that are growing on your tree that are connected to the source. And so, it's not that you have to be perfect. You know what? The people of the world are not perfect, so they understand that, but you're going to be humble, right? So that when you are imperfect, you're going to apologize to your kids, and your kids are going to grow up respecting that for you. You're, you're going to be kind when they're in need. In the fruit that grows in season means that when it needs to be there, it's there doesn't mean that you always feel kind. But you have a neighbor that needs help, you help them out. You see somebody on the road, you stop and you help them. You, there's all kinds of ways to practice. And, and um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, tells us of the fruit of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Okay? The nine fruit of the Spirit. 
That's the fruit that's going to grow in your life. You don't grow apples and oranges. You grow love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things will sprout on your tree. That means I've, I'm going way too slow, so I better hurry this up. So whatever you do, it says, will prosper. Back to uh, the previous slide. Whatever you do will prosper. All that he does, in all that he does, he prospers. As long as you're walking in a place close to God's river, he will cause you to live a blessed life. He wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you, even as your soul prospers. So you, you can want to be kind to people, but sometimes people are hard to be kind to. They really are. You may have every intent of being kind to somebody. You do something and they get offended by it. Next thing you know, you're getting all indignant. Hey, wait a minute. I meant that for good. What are you getting all mad about? And now all of a sudden, guess what? You're not kind. You can't force yourself to be kind in every situation. It really has to be an outgrowth of the Holy Spirit within you. So, third, the prosperous person's peace. I say that one real quick, ten times. The prosperous person's peace, or assurance, right? And uh, real quickly, I'm going to read verses 4 and 5, and then we're going to focus on verse 6. Um, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will stand in the judgment, or will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. Now, just to read that on a surface, you don't think much of it. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. Yeah, so what? So do I. Now, that's not really all it means. It's not just that he notices, oh, well, there's Dennis over there. He's, he's, he's living right. Good for him. Now, he knows every aspect of the life you're living He's intimately involved in your life. You know, we use the word know. Um, the biblical, we, sometimes we say, I, you know, you know your wife in the biblical sense. You know, that's talking about, you know, the intimacy that you have. And that's what he's talking about here. He has intimate knowledge of you. He doesn't just, oh, there's Dennis doing all right. No, he's involved in Dennis doing all right. He knows the path that you've taken. He knows the challenges that you face. He knows you. He knows the way of the righteous. The wicked? Yeah, not so much. Oh, he knows them too, but they're not liking it. <laughs> they're not going to like the end result. He knows the way of the righteous. So when you walk with the Lord and you stay close to his river of blessing, you don't need to fear the future. As long as you're following him, you don't need to wonder if you're safe or not. You know, we've got a lot going on in our world, and sometimes in our own neighborhood, our backwoods. You know, I had my house burned out you know, just a couple years ago, and then I come over here, and we have a big old fire developing here, too. I'm just like, man, alive, the fire's following me around. Uh, you don't have to be afraid of the fire. You might lose your house, but you haven't. God is with you. He knows what you're walking through, and... And there's stuff that he's going to guide you through. It's like someone following on a dark path. The person in front has the light. You ever done this? 
it's dark and you're following people and they have the, you don't let the guy in the back with the, with the flashlight. The guy in front has to know where he's going. And you follow the guy in front. And uh, you can see enough to walk safely if you walk close to them. When I'm driving on a road and it's a real foggy night, it's dark and it's foggy and you can't see 20 feet in front of you, if there's a car in front of me with, and I can see his taillights, I make sure I stay close enough to see his taillights. And sometimes I'll even go a little faster than I'm comfortable with so that I can see his taillights. Because I figure he's not going to lead me off the side of the road. He can see something better than I can. And if I can see his taillights, I'll follow him and we'll both be okay. And usually in a deep, deep fog like that, they're not going super fast. So I, just, I make sure that I don't get so scared that I get so far back I can't see his lights because then I'm on my own. You're not on your own. You're following the light of God's word. He's guiding you through the dark moments and the difficult times. And uh, you know that God has chosen a good path for you. And on that path, there may be difficulties to get through, maybe some dark fog. It may get steep at times. But God knows the way of the righteous, and he'll protect you. He'll guide you. There's a scripture that, uh, go ahead and go to the next um, screen, Philippians 4. Six and seven, this is my all-time favorite scripture. Um, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You follow the Lord, and he will give you that peace that you need to face every challenge, every difficulty, He knows the way of the righteous. And so he gives you peace because you can be confident in trusting him. You know, if you're not trusting that something's going to turn out well, I don't know about you, I get really nervous. You know, if it's like I'm I'm doing study for my master's degree and I had one teacher, I just... I, it frustrated me because I didn't, never knew what he really wanted. And, and I'd finish my paper having no idea if I was even going to pass because I had no, no clue. And so I was always tense. I was unsure of the direction. I wasn't sure where to go, how to, how, how to write, what to do. With God, he will give you the peace when you follow him. And finally, I finished with my three Ps. The uh, river of God, to put this in terms of the New Testament. The river of God runs out from the cross. Do I have a slide for that? I, I, yeah, there we go. So the river of God runs out from the cross. Now, I know the scripture's up there. We'll read that in a, in a minute. But, but I, the source of all God's blessing to us is through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. He died so that you can prosper as your soul prospers. But you can't prosper in that way if you have not been to the cross of Jesus Christ, if you have not kneeled before the Savior and repented of your sins, then I'm telling you, now's the time to do it because the way to prosperity is through the cross. It's not through your hard effort. It's not through you memorizing Scripture and going to church and doing anything except kneeling at the cross, submitting yourself to the Lord and Savior of our souls. It's through faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, that our tree is first planted by the streams of water. All the work you do will not plant your tree by the river. 
we teach a lot in, on Sundays, Wednesday nights, Sunday morning. We, we do a lot of teaching about how to live the Christian life. Trust me, you can live a perfect Christian life and still not have your tree planted by the river. It's only through Jesus Christ and his forgiveness that we receive, uh, that we get planted right where the river of life, of eternal life, flows. Furthermore, none, not, note that, I misread my notes here, I was about to say something sacrilegious. Uh, furthermore, note that our effort matters in the sense that we must watch where we go and what we do and draw close to the word of God. That's our effort. But the prosperous, the prosperous life we will receive can come only from God. We can't create that life. We can accommodate the growth in that life by drawing close to the river, by making sure that our roots are running to the water, and the water is constantly, the water of God's word is constantly filling our, our tree, our tree trunk, spreading out our branches. But you cannot become a prosperous person just by wishing it so. You can't be a prosperous person simply by self-discipline and training. All those things are important. That's what Sunday school, Wednesday night Bible study, coming to church, those are all important facets of your training, of your self-discipline. But they're important, but ultimately it is only as the river of God reaches your soul that you're able to bear fruit. Okay? Our job is to stay close to God and far from the world. God's job is to make us bear fruit, which he has promised to do if we just love the law of the Lord, love the written word. We love the living word. We give our lives to God and we say, forgive me of my sins and I will follow you the rest of my life and we follow him. And as we abide in him, the Bible says, he abides in us. We stay plugged into him, and he makes us grow. We look pretty to the people around us. They say, oh, look at Andrew. Look at the leaves on that tree. That's a beautiful tree. Oh, I love my mulberry trees in, in Sacramento. When they're, when they're done shedding all the junk that they shed when they're growing... But once they're full, those leaves, oh, when they fall, the leaves are that big. They're massive. Well, you know what it does? It provides shade for everybody under them. And it's just, oh, you just love it. You love looking at trees that are beautiful. And that's the way people look at your life. But it's not your beauty that they're looking at. If they appreciate you, in fact, keep in mind, you can't even take credit for your physical beauty. God made you. You didn't make yourself. So if God made you pretty... Thank the Lord. God's the one that made you. John 4, 14, But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And finally, and you know what finally means when a preacher says finally? Absolutely nothing. Okay. So finally, John seven thirty seven through 39 says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, 
because Jesus was not yet glorified. In other words, he hadn't yet ascended to heaven. Out of his heart will flow rivers of water. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If you haven't done it already, give your heart to God today. Give your heart to Jesus today. Guess what? The people sitting around you, they're not perfect. They've had to do the same thing. And sometimes we just do it over and over again. I'm constantly having to return to the cross and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Make me right. Do that. He'll forgive you of your sins and plant you by the river of life where your life will be rich and blessed. No matter how much money you have or don't have, your life will be rich and blessed. Perhaps you've found yourself living your life apart from God. You don't pray. You don't read the Bible. You've kind of lost your affection for the things of God. You want to shine your light for Jesus, but you're not plugged into the source. I found a, a, a battery-operated light flashlight in my stuff this week. And I popped it out, and guess what? The batteries are dead. No light. Sometimes we're like that. We're not plugged into the source. We've got no light to share, no light to give. Your tree's leaves will grow back when you turn back to the Lord. Stop trying to look like a good Christian. Stop trying to be a good Christian. Just try to stay close to Jesus and his word. That's your responsibility. Stay close to Jesus. Love his word. The other stuff will come. The other stuff will grow in your life. The fruit will grow. Your leaves will, will, will turn beautiful. They'll grow back and people will start to notice. I used to... I was in Bible school 100 years ago. And I've always loved the Lord. I really have. All my life, I've just had a love for him. Even when I was a bratty uh, boy and then a mean teenage boy, I, I always loved the Lord. I wanted to serve the Lord. I was in Bible school, and, uh, and I noticed I hadn't been praying, so I started taking just a few minutes before I'd go down for lunch. And I went to the prayer room, and I would pray just for a few minutes. And then I would go eat lunch. But the prayer time started to grow because... A few minutes turned out, after you start doing that for a while, before long, it's not enough. Your prayer list grows. And before long, I, I was skipping lunch just to pray. And, and, you know, I don't notice things. I just, you know, I just, I, I loved it. I, I, I enjoyed my hour time, eventually, every lunchtime, 45 minutes to an hour. And then I'd go, go to my next class. I had a very good friend. And uh, her name was Margie. And I'll never forget, because the next semester... My schedule changed, and I was no longer able to spend that time of prayer at lunch. And instead of replacing it at a different time, I just stopped. I didn't notice any change in me. And then one day, Margie says, Dennis, are you still spending time in prayer like you used to you know, at lunch? Where, you know? And I said, no, my schedule changed. I haven't been able to do it. And she says, yeah, I can tell. Everybody needs a friend like that. I hated her for that. <laughs> but I needed to hear it. And I have never forgotten that. All of your good Christian behavior is not because you're a good Christian. It's because you plugged into the river of life. And he made you blossom. And he made you bear fruit. 
So believe me, when you see somebody living a good Christian life, you don't need to thank them. You need to thank the river, because that's what brought the fruit. They didn't push and push and push, although they, we do make our efforts. You can push all you want, but if there's no baby in there, it ain't coming out, right? Well, you don't know anything about that because you had a baby, but... Uh, The people around you will notice the change, and you will bear fruit when the season is right. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. A prosperous person. Many ways to prosper, but what does God view? how does God view prosperity? This is how God views prosperity. The ability to grow fruit that is not in your nature to grow. It's in his nature to grow. And he puts himself inside of you when you kneel at the cross. Stand with me, if you will. I want to close in a word of prayer, and then Brother Bob is going to come back and give us directions about uh, what the, the meeting that's coming next. But before we go there, I just want to take the last couple minutes and pray with you. And I just encourage you, um, after we pray... Um, Bob down here, Bob, raise your hand, right? Lionel back there, right? And Jerry, you guys raise your hands. Everybody, everybody look back there. Most of you know him, but just in case. Um, if you'd like to talk to somebody afterwards, me or any of them, you're welcome to, and Brother John over here as well. Um, but I want you to, I'm going to, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I just want you to join me in your heart. If you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, this is a good day to do it. He'll plant you by the river, and you will begin to bear fruit in season when the time is right. And then maybe you're like me, and you've kind of drifted. Your affections have changed, and you find yourself struggling with even caring about the Word of God. That's all right. We all get there. So in your heart, as I pray, join me. Our Heavenly Father, you are a good God, and we recognize that. We're not so good ourselves, but you are. And so to, today, Lord, I pledge my life to you. I ask for your forgiveness of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Make me right before God. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I need your salvation. I need a Savior because I cannot save myself. Make me right in Jesus' name. And Lord, there are so many times when our hearts can grow cold, our affections leave, and they get focused on other things. And then our Christian life becomes more of a drudgery, more of a difficulty than it does a joy. And there's always difficulties in our lives, but, but even in those difficulties, Lord, we can experience your peace and we can know the fruit of the Holy Spirit because you, begin it, you allow it to grow in our lives because our tree, our faith is planted by the river of life. You, who are the life giver, will make our leaves shine and beautiful so that those around can look at our lives and say, wow, that's cool. But it, in the end, it's not us that's cool, it's you. And they'll be seeing you shining through us. 
But Lord, I pray that you would forgive us, Lord, for our coolness of heart. We want to come back to you. We want to enjoy your word again. We want to enjoy your relationship again. And so we pledge ourselves anew today to plugging into the river of life, to making sure that our tree, the roots of our tree, are making it all the way to the water so that the water of your spirit will fill our hearts and then it will flow out from us as you promise in your scripture. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, I pray, so that the Holy Spirit who was promised in the word would fill us full of goodness and mercy, kindness, faithfulness, joy, love, peace, self-control, all of these things that you promise. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Brother Bob, thank you. Come on up. What a great word, Brother Dennis. Thank you very much. Very, uh, very impactful. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I know everybody wants to eat lunch. I know everybody wants to maybe like Brother Dennis go watch football. So we're going to move very quick here as far as what's going on. Um, first of all, though,